Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah's prayer. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hasaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was the cupbearer to the king. Thanks, Fran. Good morning. It's great. To, and good morning, everyone online who's watching us. And good afternoon for those of you who are clicking in a bit later. Uh, we're really excited and glad that you are joining us here at Waypoint Church Online. Uh, and glad for you guys who are here as well. Uh, a real thanks also to the band who just led us in worship. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's a really tricky thing about trying to lead in worship when people aren't allowed to sing, isn't it? Because if you cast your mind back many centuries ago when we were allowed to sing out loud and I remember being here and just hearing the way from the congregation of the song and, and it's so much easier to lead worship when people are, are very audibly leading and singing in worship. It's a bit like you at home. I'm sure you're going, I love to worship, but it's really weird in my front room going, you know, in my father's house, you feel a bit awkward. And um, it's a weird feeling. But it's a really good thing to do, is, as Fran reminded us, whether we've had a fantastic week or a struggle week, is actually God's always worthy of our worship and praise. And thank you for the team for your practice and leading us, because they, they rehearse and they, they lead us, and it's, it's really good. So just a round of applause, guys, for, for them. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate that. And, and, and while we're doing that, also all of our technical guys, those up in the, the room up there and, and camera people and, and our, our visuals, and, and it takes a lot of work. And, and these guys are working hard to do that. And we are so thankful um, for those who serve. So thank you. Because what you see on Sunday doesn't just, just happen like that. It, it takes time and preparation and, and investment and building. And uh, we, we are on that building project. 
If you've been with us as a church over the last probably 10 years, uh, you'll know that a building project has, has kept coming to our conversation as we've uh, realized that our, build, our old building, our north building now, was just too small. We were crammed in there and we were just limited on what we could do. So, so we really heard the heartbeat of God and saying, how do we create a bigger facility? How do we build something bigger, not just to accommodate us a bit better so that we might be more comfy, um, but that we may be a real life to the community, a place where the community could gather and find hope and impact our, our reach, really, uh, impacting our community. And we spent a lot of time doing that. Um, but what we didn't do during that time is, is something that many churches do. Many churches, when they're on a building project, is they preach through the book of Nehemiah. Now, if you're familiar with Nehemiah, you'll know that Nehemiah, uh, he, he's responsible for the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And, and we're going to be looking at a series that we're calling Rebuilding. Now, it's not because while you've been on lockdown, the building has fallen down. And, and I, I know you haven't seen it, but we know we have to rebuild this thing. It, that's not the case. The building is in, is in fine repair. Still some fit outs and stuff to do as we raise money. But actually, it's usable. And we can't wait for people to come and connect more and more with us. And it's fantastic that we're able to do this service here in our auditorium and begin to do that. And I know other things are happening as well, but we are excited about, about what more God's going to be doing. But the reason that we're looking at Nehemiah now, as opposed to preaching through Nehemiah when we're doing a building project and, you know, how do you gather the people and raise the money and keep the focus? While we're doing it now, a year after we officially opened the building, is because the book of Nehemiah... It does have the rebuilding of the walls, but the, the heart behind the book of Nehemiah is not about rebuilding a wall. It's actually about rebuilding a nation. It's bringing a nation back together. See, about 140, 150 years um, before the book of Nehemiah, we, we have this encounter with Nehemiah, is the, the, the southern kingdom of Israel, so Judah and a couple of tribes there, it, is, it, was, it was totally overtaken. It was destroyed. Jerusalem was the capital, and the Babylonians came in, they kicked butt, they, they totally destroyed the city, tore down the walls, burnt all the doors, destroyed the temple, and they also captured the, the, the best, the, the creme de la creme of the people and they took them into exile. If you know your Bible a little bit, you'll know people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were some of the creme uh, and the royalty and the higher uh, um, education levels and the family levels uh, in Jerusalem. They took them into captivity a thousand miles away. And, and what was left in Jerusalem, in God's land, God's holy city, was nothing. It was just just flatten. There were a few people left there, but there was, there was no corporate worship. There was no uh, corporate law. There was no governance. It, it was just gone. So 140 years later, we have Nehemiah talking about how do I rebuild? How do we rebuild? How do we become the, the people of God again? How do we become people who are in relationships with each other and relationships with God that when people see us, when they hear what we do, when they see what we do, when they encounter us, is they see more of God. That we are at the lights and we are joy and we are hope and we are a place of refuge. So the book of Nehemiah is how do we get back to being the people who God's called us to be? 
About a year ago, when we officially opened this building, uh, we invited a chap called Malcolm Duncan to preach at our, our opening uh, um, service and ceremony. And he spoke about um, the importance of being a community of light, uh, of bringing revelation, bringing clarity of who Jesus is, of bringing joy. There needs to be a joy. It's not just a burden, but there's something of life around who we are, of hope that there's more to life than just this, and of refuge to be a place where people can find love, that people can find help, that people can be included. And he said, look, it's not this building. This building isn't supposed to be that place. It's we as God's people, God's church, are called to be a people of light, of joy, of hope, of refuge. During this past year, COVID has, has just messed so many things up, hasn't it? I mean, let's be honest, it's just messed it up. Uh, all of our plans and dr- dreams and, and just our normality of life has all just been, been stopped. I mean, the fact that who's excited that shops are opening tomorrow? Okay, but just, just have a thought here. For the last three months, we've been in a community where shops aren't even allowed to open. And we're going, yeah, yeah, that's just lockdown. No, no, no. Shops haven't been out. That's weird, isn't it? We've just got used to it. But for this past year, we've been getting used to things with, when it comes to being God's people. We haven't been able to gather in, in bigger groups. We haven't been able to sing our worship. We haven't been able to open our door and say, come and have a look. Come and be, be part and, and show light and, and joy and hope and a refuge as much as we, we really want to be. The way we've been connecting with God has been impacted. COVID and, and what we've encountered this past year has, has meant that, that there's some good things happening. Yes, there is. I'll chat about that in a second. But there's also a lot of stuff that hasn't been happening. And, and so we are going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah over these next few weeks and seeing what did Nehemiah do? How, how did he help to, to bring the nation together to help rebuild that nation. That's why we're calling the series Rebuilding, because I believe that God wants to, to help us rebuild. As lockdown think measures start falling away, as we can go, not just go to shops, but as we can begin to gather more in the next few weeks and months, what are we called to be? What does it mean to be church? Is church just about, well, I, you know, I'll click on and, and watch a sermon. Is, is that church or is there more? Is church just destined to be Zoom? Who loves Zoom meetings? I mean, who's Zoomed out? So, I mean, there's some really good things about Zoom because you can see people and, and talk to them and it's connected with it, but it's not the same as just nudging someone going, I, I wish Mark would get on with this sermon. He's getting a bit boring now. You know, you can't do that over Zoom. So Zoom is good. Zoom is good. <laughs> but the, all those little conversations and things you can't, that just don't work anymore. And, and, and also how we connect with God has changed. Personally, as well as communally. So we're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah to work out how do we, how do we begin to, to allow God to help rebuilding us to be that community of light, of joy, of hope, of refuge, to be the community that just shines out the love of God, whether you're in it or around it, is you are impacted by it. Because God still has a plan that is way, way bigger than we can ask or imagine. So three quick things that I want to look at and pull from, from Nehemiah 1, uh, of this starting point. Because in Nehemiah 1, he tells us um, how to begin, where to begin. And, and it begins like this. It begins by, by asking a question. 
Nehemiah starts, Nehemiah 2, he asks a question. And he asks, he said, how is Jerusalem and its people? Now, this isn't a, a question of history. Like, you know, 140 years ago, it all got dispersed and really got messed up. So what's happened over the last 140 years? That, that's not what he was asking. See, because Nehemiah was mindful. He, he knew about a dozen years earlier um, from where Nehemiah is, it is a priest, Ezra, led, sort of led a group of Jewish people back to Jerusalem. So that thousand mile trip, they were allowed back. King Artaxerxes, he said, you can go back to, to begin to rebuild. And they wanted to rebuild the temple, to rebuild that center place, to put God back in the middle. Because they realized that, that God needs to be centered. It's all around God. So they went out to start rebuilding. And Nehemiah's question was, so, so how is it going? You know, you're a thousand miles away. We haven't got internet. We don't know. I, I'm not hearing much, but now you're here. And so what's happening? Are, have you reestablished? Are they coming together again? It, it's a really powerful question. Because he's not just doing the question, who's been asked, you know, um, how are you doing? And you know when people ask that, they don't, sometimes they don't really mean that. Have you, have you ever encountered that? How are you today? And they want you to say, fine. How many of you have been tempted to go, do, do you really want to know how I'm feeling? Often we resist that because we go, either they don't really want to hear, or if I'm really honest with where things are at, it's going to open up a whole bunch of things that's going to be a much longer conversation. But that's actually what Nehemiah was doing. In fact, this is the first step that we need to take when it comes to this rebuilding project that I believe God is calling us to do, is that we need to ask the question, how are you really doing? Two levels on this. Personally, how are you really doing with God? Your relationship with God. How are you really doing? Sometimes we don't want to answer that. Maybe because we're just, we, we, we don't want to be answered because the truth is, we're, we're going to, we're going to look like failures. You know, I, I, don't, I, want, I want people to believe that I'm as good as you think I am. That the truth is, let's be honest, we're all a bit of a mess on the inside, aren't we? We all know that we could do a bit better with God. We all know this. We, we all know this. And yet, this is a really powerful first question to ask. Also with us as a church, you know, we're looking at things opening up and changing. But how are we really doing before we built this, this building we're on now, um, one of the things that we had to do is we had to do boreholes. And, and, and that's not a long sermon. What that is, it is a, um, a, a really deep, it's a 15 meter, sort of about, however that's six inches or whatever, centimeters if you're modern, uh, um, about that, a hole that big. And they went 15 meters down and they extracted it all because they wanted to see what are things really like. Because it may look good, but you put a hacking great building on it. And if just below the surface is, it's not steady, we're going to have some big disasters. So, this question that Nehemiah asked, this question that we need to ask ourselves is a borehole question. How are we really doing? I know during COVID, some people have actually found this a really good and refreshing time. We've slowed down. We've, we've stopped chasing after a zillion things. And it's given me time to spend reading and praying and connecting God. Understanding that power of, of, of just meditation. And some people would say, you know, this year, it hasn't been ideal, but, but me and God, we, we just seem to connect it a lot more, and it's brilliant. And maybe some of you who, who say that, some of you may be saying that. 
Most of us, though, me included, I go, it's been tough. I, I miss those connection points. I miss meeting together and worshiping. I, I miss the fact that, that I, I know someone's going to ask me, Mark, how are you doing on this? And I, and I can't just bluff it away. I, I, I've missed some of those, those points that have helped me in my relationship with God. And so this past year, there's been some real low points and some high points. If you were to do that bore question in me, there, is, there are some dodgy layers and some good layers. But it's a really important question to ask. Because if we don't have that honest answer, what we build from here may not stand. Did you notice when, when Nehemiah asked his brothers, how are things really? And what they said is, mate, or Nehemiah, it's a mess. The walls are still torn, broken down. The gates are burnt and people are discouraged. It's not good. See, so many of us, we, we want to defend. We're going, no, no, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm, I'm reading my Bible most days, and I, I am praying, and it's actually good. And, and actually, that is good, and, and that's great. The fact that you're tuned in now, that's good. But we still can find ourselves going, yeah, but deep down, I'm, I'm just feeling disconnected. I'm feeling that there must be more than this. Uh, many of you know I've just been on sabbatical. And, and the joys of all shops closed and nothing like that. So I've had a lot of time of reflecting and, and pondering and thinking. And, and part of my thinking is, where are we as a church? Now, there's some really good things happening. There are. The fact that we're online and, and a great tech team and worship team uh, with the hub. And, and there's, there's small group, life groups that are happening. There are some really good things happening. And that's brilliant. But we also ask, but how are we really doing? Because remember... It's only a year or so ago when we were contacting, oh, connecting with hundreds of children and young people. Our seniors work, we're hundreds of, over a hundred of seniors work we were connecting with. We, we were gathering and doing different things. New people were coming in our door almost, every, well, every week new people were coming in and, and we were engaging with them and doing starting point and doing different things like that and, and connecting them in. And, and a lot of that is just because of circumstances and whatever things, is just faded away. And we need to understand, where are we now? Because the starting point is ask the question. This is not to beat ourselves up, but in order for God to build us up, is we need that honesty. So, so I, I want to ask that question of you right now. How are you and God really doing? I mean, really, really doing. This isn't to, to depress you, but so that we know we can build from here. How are we as a church really doing? I mean, as a full church, as to, be, to being a community of light, of joy, of hope, of refuge, how are we really doing? I know there are pockets of good things, I know, but I believe that God wants to do so much more. I believe he wants to do so much more. He wants to build something magnificent. But it starts with asking that question. How are you really doing? Now, when Nehemiah's brother said, it's, it's a mess, mate. It's not really good. Nehemiah then does the next thing we do, which, which we need to do as well. Okay, Nehemiah doesn't tell them off. He doesn't give them a big list of what you should. If I was Ezra, what I would have done is this, that, and the other. He, he doesn't just sort of pontificate about all these things that you should be, you know, you should be reading your Bible more. He doesn't go straight into this list of things that you need to do. 
And actually that question about how are you really, it isn't the prompt for a list of things to do. Well, apart from one thing to begin with, and that's this. You need to invite God in. Notice what happens in Nehemiah. He hears this news and he invites God in. He, he mourns and he weeps and he fasts. And, and, and basically, do you know that feeling inside when you're going, oh, I just, I just feel blah inside. And that's what happened. He just went, God, this is not great. I don't feel good, God. I, I, I don't want to be here. And he said, God, I invite you in. Invite God in. Now, he does that in prayer and fasting. And, and it's not just a one-off prayer, by the way. It's not he's saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I just need help here. We need help here. I'll go to the front or I'll touch the screen and we'll have a prayer. And it's all sorted out. That doesn't, isn't what happens. Between Nehemiah 1 and Nehemiah 2 is four months. So, so there's nothing special about four months, apart from saying inviting God is a, is a continual process that we need to keep doing again and again, personally and as a church community, again and again. Say, God, will you come in? God, we need you. God, will you step in? Again and again, keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. What we'll find is, is as we read through the book of Nehemiah, at so many points along the way, Nehemiah just says, we stopped and we prayed. I prayed, we prayed, we invited God in. Now, what does it mean to invite God in? Because if we're honest, many of us go, pray for four months solid. Or pray day and night. Pray, we're going, do you know what? I, I know some people are really good like that, but, but me, I, I find just praying for like 10 minutes. Is, who finds 10 minutes prayer quite challenging? Could you pray for 10 minutes solid? And you're going, that's quite hard. So this is why I said, invite God in. I didn't say pray about it. Invite God in. Let me explain a little example of what inviting God in means. Cast your mind back to about four weeks ago. And the weather, it wasn't freezing, but it was pretty cold out there, wasn't it? And, and one morning, uh, we woke, Kat and I woke up, and um, I thought, oh, the house was a bit chilly. And I turned on the hot water, and, and cold water kept coming out. And I thought, oh, the boiler's not, not playing itself. So I went down to reset the boiler, and the boiler was running water out of the bottom of it, which is, it usually should be constrained to pipes. It was just flooding out, and I'm going, that's not right. I'm very good like that. I thought, that's not good. My engineering degree came in here, and I thought, okay, well, that's not good. Let's, let's phone an engineer. So we phoned an engineer, and our local friend came out, who usually does it, and he, he did the plumber. And then I'm going, yeah, yeah, I want words. And he went, well, it may be your, your, you know, the big end subcompressor, this, that, the other. And I'm going, yeah, okay, how much and how quick? And, and he's saying, whoa, I don't know, but I'm busy, mate. I can't see you for, I'll ring this up, ring that out. And I'm going, yeah, thanks, mate. That, that's really, really helpful. So I phoned up and it, our boiler's fairly old and, and it works, it used to work well, fairly old. And we found out that the piece that we needed was, was it took a while to get in, in, in stock. So between that morning when we thought, it's a bit chilly here, to the day when the engineer came was 10 days I was expecting a gasp there. Let me, let me rephrase this. It's cold outside and there's no hot water so we can't have showers. Ten days. That's better. I, I feel that was a little bit um, pity, but that's fine. It was good. It was, it was, I mean, it, it was cold. And, and do you know how we have to wear masks outside? Kathy and I had to wear masks inside, okay? It wasn't pleasant because, you know, there wasn't hot water and it wasn't you going, we need, uh, um, we did use the ch church has a shower and we did use that a, a, a wee bit, but it wasn't the same. It, it was just a real nuisance. And we, we sort of were counting down the days until the engineer came. And then I had the text. You know, it says, um, your engineer will arrive between eight and, and nine o'clock or your package. And I had that text. 
finished. So I tell you, when I knew he was coming on that day, eight o'clock, I was down at least 15 minutes earlier. I went down, I opened up our garage door. I cleared a pathway to our boiler. I put a step ladder up against, because it's a bit high, so he needs to do that. I'm going, uh, how else can I bribe this guy? We need to make this good. And, and I, was, I, I was thinking of putting a banner up and everything, because I'm going, please come and save us. And I didn't do a banner, but I was standing in the door going, where's the van? Where's the van? Where's the van? And I was waiting as it's like a little puppy dog, isn't it? Where's the van? Where's the van? And then he came in and I'm going, reverse in. Come on, come on. Seriously, I was going, come on. I was so excited to see the guy. He kept his distance. I'm not sure if that was social distancing or smell. I'm not sure which, but, but he did that. And, and he came in and I'm going, just come and fix it. See, this is what inviting God in is about. It's saying, God, I want to be open. I want to be excited. God, I need you to come in to fix it. See, our focus isn't on how tough things are. Our focus needs to be on how awesome God is. Open up your gates. Bring them in. Clear out the rubbish. Make a pathway in and say, God, will you fix it? Because that's what Nehemiah's prayer was. I mean, in verse 5, you see his, his opening prayer was, was, God, you are awesome. You are great. God, you are the faithful one. You're the one who fixes things. Come in, come in, come in. So when we ask that question, how are you really doing? It's right to go, I'm not maybe as good as I hoped. But then you go, God, will you come in? Because do you know what? Here's the really good news. We're not building something by ourselves. We're not following our plans. It's not what I think or what you think. It's God's plans. We're joining something that God wanted to create. God wants to create a community that knows him, that loves him, that shines out. God wants you to be a person like that. And God says, this is my project. I am the one who fixes boilers. And we should be going, oh, thank goodness, because if it was left to me, we'd still be cold. And I'm going, come in, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I did research and I thought, maybe it's this, maybe, I did tell him, I said, I, I Googled it and YouTubed it. I said, it might be this, might be that. I said, but to be honest, you're the expert, you fix it. And that's where he, Nehemiah started. That's where we need to start and say, God, you're the expert, you fix it. You are great, you are mighty, come and fix it. That's what he prayed, verse five. Verse, verse six, he then prays something interesting. He, he, he also prays a prayer of confession, this is really important because I think sometimes we can skip over this. Notice, he said, God, I'm sorry, not just for the sins of the people that, that messed this thing up in the first place, but I, I, I confess my sin and my father's sin. Now, Nehemiah was not 140 years old, okay? It wasn't him who messed it up way back then. And in fact, he could say, I'm, I'm just sitting here in the park. It's not my fault that Israel's in a mess. And yet he went, God, I'm sorry for my part in this. This is really significant because I think it's so easy for us all to go, God, if it wasn't for this stupid COVID, God, if it wasn't for, if the church would do more, if they would do more, if that person could do that, and we list all the sins of everybody else, and we, we conveniently leave ourselves out. This is not about saying you are a miserable worm, but understanding that, that I play a part in this that maybe some of my choices haven't helped with this. Maybe instead of stepping forward and connecting in, I, I stood back and said, I wish the government would do something better about this. Or I don't believe in this mask stuff, or I don't do this, or I don't do that. Is understanding that, do you know what? If God wants to do something here, 
in me and my relationship with him. In this community, I need to say, God, I'm sorry for the way when I've got in the way as opposed to got on your side. And then the last thing he prays, in verse 8, he prays through God's promises. This is all about how do you invite God in, acknowledge that he's great, say, God, I want to take the things out of the way. Uh, just as an aside, the, the first boiler man who came and looked our friend, his first comment, I haven't seen him in a couple of years, his first comment is, oh, you've tidied up in our garage. That was the first thing he said. And I'm going, how messy must it have been? I wonder, (laughs) confession is about tidying up. Not that we sort it all out, but saying, God, I I need to walk in your ways. But he also prayed in verse 8, he prayed through God's promises. He said, God, you promised that, well, you promised that if we, if we mess up and do our own thing is we'll get the consequences of that. But you also promised God that if we walk in your ways, we will encounter the glorious fulfillment of you in us. Pray the promises of Scripture. When God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, saying, God, in Scripture you say, you'll never leave us or forsake it, but God, I'm feeling a bit left, I'm feeling forsaken, so I want to claim your promise. You say that's never going to be the case. Psalm 23, God says, I'm going to be a shepherd and provide and lead you. And saying, God, I'm not feeling led. What you promise, will you come in? It says that you'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God, I, I, I want to know you. I want to hear your voice as I'm walking through this tough time. Pray the promises of Scripture. That's about inviting God in. It needs to be less of us and more of God and let him rebuild. So Nehemiah shows us at this beginning where we start from. When it comes to becoming that community and people who who know God and have that light and life and hope and joy and becoming that place of including, it starts by going, where am I really? And God, I need more of you. I wonder, are you inviting him in? Are we inviting him in? Don't rush to our plan. Say, God, it's you. Come and fix. My door's open. My banner's out. I'm looking for your van. Please come in. Please come in, for you're the one who changes it. And then just lastly, it ends where it says, Nehemiah, I was the cupbearer to the king. Now, for most of us, we're going, yeah. Now, that was a really significant thing. Because the last point of this is that we need to count ourselves in. Nehemiah, cupbearer of the king, that's a really high position. So that means he was in the presence of the king every day. And the king in that nation was huge. And just imagine if you were a person who was always in the presence of the king. You were allowed there. And a cupbearer, is he would have been a taster. So he would have made sure that you know, no one's poisoning the, the, the wine and things. So the king would have trusted him. So he's in the presence of the king. He's trusted by the king. And, and he would have had the privileges around that of, of being dressed well, accommodation well. He had a comfortable life. But he said, do you know what? This isn't what God's plan was. My comfort was not God's plan. Actually seeing a community that shared light, hope, joy, and refuge. It's being people who reflected Christ and who you are and how you live. Nehemiah said, and you can count me in. I'm not just going to pray, because sometimes we can think that. Well, I prayed about it, so there, I've done my bit. He prayed, and he said, and count me in, even though it's going to impact my everyday life, even though it means I've got to have to change how I do things, even though it's going to upset my, the, the new pattern I have. You know, this pattern of, of saying, well, you know, we'll, we'll do church a little bit later, and I'll just click on it at six in the evening. We'll, we'll, we'll saying, it won't be around my convenience anymore. God, I'm going to say, if I want to 
know you more, if I want to see what you're going to rebuild in this community, I need to put my hand up and say, I'm going to be part of that. One of my reflections on on where we are as a church is actually an echo around lots of churches around our country. Is in this past year, so many people have been reviewing and saying, oh, I've been working too hard and running around. Therefore, I I won't serve anymore. I I don't think I'll serve in the kids' work or the youth work or this work or that work. And and we're finding it like other churches. It's people saying, well, I'm just not available anymore. You know, I want church to be good. I want us to be welcoming. I want it to be banned. I want want it to happen, but I don't want to be part of it. If we want to see this new thing of God, if we want to see the glory of God pouring in and around our lives and those around us, we don't need to just ask the question. We don't need to, to just pray. We need to say, and God, count me in. If Nehemiah just prayed and carried on with his job, no change would have happened. If Nehemiah just prayed and said, God, send somebody else, the building wouldn't have changed. God wants to do something fantastic in our relationship with him that we might know him to such an intimate, deep, fulfilling, life-giving way. Not get God in and make your life better, but God has a plan and purpose for your life. God has a plan and purpose for your life. And it starts by saying, God, will you come in and will you change those areas that need to be changed and build what you want to build? We as a church community, God wants to do something fantastic through Waypoint Church, our family. And it's more than just watching on TV. I'm really glad you're joining us. But to make a difference, to reach people's lives, is we need to say, God, we need you, and I'll count, please count me in. For when we do that, something glorious follows. Because God comes in and fixes things. Not just fix things as we like them, but he builds what he wants to build. And I tell you, God's building plans are incredible. So here's our challenge at the beginning of our Nehemiah series. As we begin to look as lockdown lifts, do we want to see the glory of God in our lives and around? If so, ask the question, how am I really doing? Invite God in. And say, count me in. And let's see what God has in plan. What God has in store. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that that you're not just calling on a workforce. It's not just, oh, what can people do? Serve here, do this. You've got this incredible plan for our world. You created our world that we might be in relationship with one another, in relationship with you. Father, we acknowledge that that things mess that up. Sometimes things that we have no control over, but often the things that we do have control over. God, we, we know your call is to, to seek you first, to follow you, for when that happens, life comes. Father, we want to see that life. We want to know that life. We want to be part of that life as a church and as individuals. I thank you, God, that you start where we are and you don't leave us there. So I want to invite you in, God. I want to invite you into my life, to to those who are watching, to those who are here. When we say how we're really doing, to be honest and say, God, will you come in? And God, we're committed to join what you want. And I pray that you'll do something glorious.
you already have in Jesus, and we want to join you. Jesus, you conquered death and rose again as we celebrated last week. But you say, come and join. And that's what we want to do. We want to be with you. We worship you, God. We give you glory.